Welcome to The Witness, true stories of children and gender identity. Conversations about gender identity are happening in homes and hospitals, therapy offices and classrooms. This podcast invites you to bear witness to how gender identity impacts children and families. All of the testimonies that you will hear have been anonymously shared with Partners for Ethical Care. These stories have been shared by individuals who have agreed to have their experiences published in order to bring awareness and to document what is happening. We invite you to listen and bear witness. I wanted to write this out yesterday, but the night before, my daughter and I stayed up until 2 a.m. just talking, hanging out, and watching YouTube together, and I was so exhausted I couldn't do it yesterday. The conversation started around 9 p.m. when I walked into my daughter's room and just stood there. She was on her phone, and I was trying to make small talk, but there was a lot of silence. She asked me, Why do you keep coming into my room all the time and then just standing there? I had probably done this a dozen times that day, and the day before too. It takes a lot of mental preparation for me to engage with her about this gender stuff. Well, I guess I've been in a state of cognitive dissonance for the last few days. Do you know what cognitive dissonance is? Cognitive dissonance is what happens when your brain is trying to hold two opposing views at the same time. Two separate belief systems that cancel each other out. But you believe both things so much, you physically cannot focus on both truths at one time. Because it is so uncomfortable, to the point of painful, that you have to choose a side. You have to either love it or hate it, but you can't love and hate it if that makes sense. So sometimes you love it, and sometimes you hate it. And sometimes you sit there in so much discomfort because you can't decide how to create a compromise between the two sides that is a logical one. What do you do when you have cognitive dissonance? How do you get rid of it? I explain that for me, I educate myself and challenge my belief systems until I come to a whole new belief system that isn't anything like what I had before. My example was leaving an abusive relationship. If I believed he hurt me, then that meant he was a bad person. If I loved him, he must be a good person because I would never love a bad person. But the more I educated myself about why men are abusive, the less I took it personally and the more I realized how it was him that had the flaws, not me. And his flaws were not black and white. It was not his fault he suffered a childhood that his best defense was to become a narcissist, to protect himself. And it wasn't my fault that I had loved him and tried my best to make things work because I could see he had a good side too. In the end, I changed my belief system to address the cognitive dissonance, which was the feeling of, why do I love a bad person? What is wrong with me? I'm not a bad person for loving him, 
and he isn't a bad person for lacking relationship skills. And I was at peace, finally. My cognitive dissonance lately, though, has been about this gender stuff. You see, on one side, I have always been a huge LGBTQ supporter. My best friend growing up was a gay man. I lived with gay men and drag queens. I went to Pride Parade every year. My whole life I felt in full support of their rights. I am that liberal Democrat who voted for things like bathroom rights for trans people. Though I'm sorry to say this now. On the other side, I am a huge supporter of children's rights. Children's rights to not be sexually assaulted. Children's rights to be protected from trauma. Children's rights in court when facing predators. Basically, the right to be a kid. And I never knew these two views opposed each other before until I started doing research about this gender stuff. I am not transphobic in any way. I have friends who identify as trans, and I have so much compassion for anyone who is struggling to love the body they were born in. I have huge compassion for them. My daughter said, I know you're not transphobic. But I am horrified to admit I voted for bathroom rights for trans people without even thinking of it, because it was framed to me as this poor transgender female will be sexually assaulted in the men's room. But just today, I learned that there was a man who walked into a lady's dressing room and got completely naked in front of a little girl and her mother. The girl called the police because clearly this man was a flasher and was sexually assaulting her and her child. But the man told the police that he identified as a woman and literally nothing happened to him. He was free to walk right back into that lady's room but asked naked if he wanted to. I mean, what would you think of a naked man watching you change out of your wet bathing suit? Obviously, this is crossing a line. Then I brought up that famous trans activist Alok, who convinced Demi Lovato and other celebs to declare a non-binary gender recently. Alok is called Little Girls Kinky. He's a pedophile too, and there are many. But he is the one who is supporting children transitioning, and no one is questioning this. The LGBTQ community and Hollywood accepts and supports him. There is so much I didn't think of. Recently, I read about this dad who had a daughter who was 12 and came out as a trans boy. The 12-year-old girl slash trans boy insisted on using the men's bathroom at a restaurant. Then I asked my daughter what she thought about a 12-year-old girl inside a men's bathroom with urinals and that she would be able to see grown men's and boys' penises if they were there. My daughter didn't think it was a good idea at all and I agreed. This is so wrong for that little girl. She deserves protection too, and this isn't it. So the thing I'm confused about is why are they teaching this gender theory in school that leads to preteens and teens declaring a transgender identity right at the most crucial time for identity development? It's like they're purposefully trying to confuse you. You know, I just finished getting my daycare license, and to do this, I had to go to school and learn about child development. This is a national education requirement for all teachers, but technically I am a preschool teacher with this education and certification I have now. 
That means all teachers know about this child development stuff that I just learned. I was reading about Eric Erickson, who was a psychologist that developed one of the most popular and influential psychosocial development theories, called Erickson's Stages of Psychosocial Development. Erickson believed there are eight stages of human brain development. The fifth stage lasts from age 10 to 19 approximately and is called adolescence. He named this phase identity versus role confusion. He coined the phrase identity crisis, which was in reference to this stage of development. Isn't that interesting that they're teaching gender theory to seventh graders who are just entering this stage of development? causing even more role confusion than ever before. Talk about an identity crisis. Now you guys are forced to define your gender before you have even learned what gender roles in society mean. She agreed with me and said, The gender stuff that I learned about in seventh grade didn't make a lot of sense to me at the time, and I wondered why everyone needed to fit into such little boxes. It just seemed very limiting, like you had to fit in somewhere you had to pick where you fit. So you had to pick what gender you were based on things like your interests, your body, and your clothes? Well, those are all stereotypes, and I thought we agreed stereotyping is bad. I know it's long, but at this point in the conversation, I read out loud to my daughter this whole description of Erickson's adolescent stage from Wikipedia, which talks about how the adolescent stage is all about being concerned with how they appear to others, and goes through an identity crisis. Erickson is the one who is credited with coining that term. Then I said, now you understand a little more about brain development and understand that people don't fully grow up until they are in their 20s, sometimes even until their 30s like me. I feel it wasn't until my 30s that I had a solid sense of self-identity. And he even says people who are really smart mature later. And why is it okay to give a child or teen aggressive life-altering hormones before they've even developed a self-identity? Or even, why is it okay to ask you to choose a pronoun? You guys shouldn't even have to think of this at such a young age because your sense of gender roles has not even begun to develop. And then introducing an ideology into the school system, one that was not taught to your parents' generation and one we do not understand, leads to that conflict between parent and teen, which is further dividing families at a time when a teen truly needs to define themselves, but also have familial support. You know, if you take hormone blockers, it doesn't just prevent your sex organs from growing. It also prevents your bones from developing and your brain from developing. So essentially, you have the brain of a child trapped in a much older body and then they ask you if you want to take sex change hormones and get surgeries, just because you are now 15. All while you are literally emotionally and developmentally stunted, and you don't even need your parents' permission to get these so-called treatments. There was a detransitioner I watched recently, whose parents gave him permission to go on hormone blockers, and eventually estrogen, so that he could transition to a woman. His parents, and his doctors all supported him heavily through this process. He said he ended up emotionally and physically stunted, and that even his penis had not developed past the size of a small child, and that he was impotent. He was miserable, 
And after all that, he realized he just wanted to be a gay man. He never wanted to be a woman. He says, they tried to trans the gay out of me. I mean, what a sad story. I can't think of anything more homophobic than that. They would rather he be a girl and attracted to boys than a boy attracted to boys. That is so upsetting to me. She agreed with me again that the medical stuff was crazy, and she didn't understand why people wanted to change their bodies like that. She said, I like my feminine body. I like my body. I didn't ever really feel like I didn't like it, but my friends are so into it. When Taylor changed her pronouns to he, him, he called me and said, bro, I'm having the biggest identity crisis. I hate my body. I want to be a boy. And I never felt that way. It's just that what I think of as feminine, other people don't think it is. Like, I want to wear jeans and baggy sweatshirts, and people say it isn't feminine, but I think it is. So that and the things I'm interested in, I just didn't seem to fit into what was feminine. And I don't think I fit into what it means to be non-binary. And I definitely don't feel like a boy. I tried he, him pronouns for two days, and I didn't like it. It felt weird, and I don't want to use those anymore. That's not me, but I like they, them pronouns, so that is what I use. Yeah, you like them because you've been using them for the last two years. And so it feels natural, like I use they, them for you without thinking about it now. I still say my daughter, or she, or her, and then I have a whole existential crisis of guilt and shame. I've been doing this for almost two years now, and it sucks. I have a panic attack every time I have to call your counselor to make an appointment, because what if I say the wrong thing? And I sometimes do, and then I feel like an asshole. I've been walking around feeling so much anxiety and stress and guilt trying to get it right. And I would definitely like to not have to think about this all the time. So I guess I want to ask you if it's okay if I use she, her, and still call you my daughter. Because you are my daughter. And if you don't feel like you really fit into any of these narrowly defined versions of what it means to be human, then why do we need to refer to you as only they, them? Why not she, her, and they, them? Could I use she, her for you without feeling like an asshole all the time? Yes, you always could. I wouldn't have gotten that mad. I only got mad that one time because it felt like you were not even trying, and it hurt my feelings at the time. I told her I would use they, them in front of her friends if she still wanted me to. I know that this is about fitting in with your peers, and I don't want you to feel like you don't fit in. You don't have to. If you don't, then my friends will think you're transphobic. <laughs> we both laughed, and I said, Well, I will try to use they, them with your friends, and I'll probably use it with you at home sometimes, too because I'm so used to it now, but I think I would love to go back to using she, her without having a panic attack. That would be so amazing. Okay. She then said something so insightful and mature, it blew my mind. She said, You know what, Mom? I think I just identify with non-binary mostly because of the way my brain works and the executive functioning disorder stuff. It makes me feel different. I don't feel like I can do things the way everyone else does. And I guess feeling so different, it makes me think I'm not female or male. 
but it actually doesn't have anything to do with my gender. It's just my brain works differently than others. My daughter was diagnosed with PTSD, and we suspect she suffers from executive functioning disorder due to the trauma she experienced. I told her she is very self-aware to have observed that about herself. And then I told her, you know how my brain works the same way yours does? And so does your stepdad's too. He has PTSD as well, and so do I, and we all sort of struggle with certain things. It does make life more challenging, but that doesn't mean we are not very intelligent and have a lot to give to the world. It is sad that our current society really only values one way of being in the world. That type A personality, driven, straight A student, who does it all with ease and organization. But what about the people who stay up all night creating an epic masterpiece of art that brings beauty and meaning into this world? Are they not valuable too? We need all kinds of people to make the diverse communities we cherish. It takes all kinds of people in this world. But for some reason, our school system is making kids who feel different define themselves into such narrow little boxes that lead them to even further feelings of inadequacy. Have you ever heard of the yin-yang? It's an Eastern philosophy that teaches about how every human being has masculine and feminine energy inside them. And the key to success, happiness, or becoming an integrated human being is to have a balance of both energies inside every human. So if you are a man, then you must find harmony and balance with your feminine side. And if you're a woman, you must find harmony and balance with your masculine side. And if two balanced people meet each other, then they will create a harmonious and balanced team, both people functioning as a whole, and both whole people working together to form the balance. The yin-yang symbol represents this balance of energies with the black inside the white and the white inside the black. Now this is just a theory, but I find it interesting and fascinating. And it seems like a much more holistic approach to humanity than trying to fragment our energy into subcategories. How insanely limiting for our souls to be confined to an identity based on stereotypes rather than true inner passions. My daughter and I stayed up till 2 a.m. talking and sharing with each other. She showed me a YouTube commentator she watches who is quite well respected in the LGBT community, talking about the trans movement and how everyone should just love the body we came into this world in and stop trying to be something we're not. At one point, she said to me, You know what, Mom? I feel so happy tonight. I've been feeling so anxious and stressed the last few days, and I don't even know why I was feeling that way, but I feel so much better now. I feel happy and relaxed. I told her I feel the same way. Oh my gosh, this has been such a saga. And if you made it this far, bless your heart for listening to all of that. I truly hope it helps you find the courage to engage your kids in conversations about this topic. As scary as it is, they are worth the fight.
This has been The Witness, true stories of children and gender identity. The Witness podcast shares these stories to give voice to individuals who cannot share their stories publicly due to the possibility of losing their jobs, their friends, and their children. All stories are confidential and anonymous. You can share your story, too. Go to PartnersForEthicalCare.com and click the Share Your Story button. We welcome your story, your time, and your donation to support this important work. Partners for Ethical Care is a nonprofit organization made up of individual volunteers from across the globe focused on one mission. To raise awareness and support efforts to stop the unethical treatment of children by schools, hospitals, and mental and medical health care providers under the duplicitous banner of gender identity affirmation. We believe that no child is born in the wrong body. Thank you for listening and bearing witness. Thank you.